look at that. I love it. There we go. I love the stance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are you trying to mimic what the kids do in the club now? Like either of us go to the club. So, I guess we should start the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm like all about now that we're just like live on it. It's just like we just like start talking and it's like that's the start of the podcast. That's literally it. And then people just jump in. It's like, what's up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it's like here we are. We're already started. <laughs> um, cool. So, hi. This is a live broadcast of the podcast this time. Uh, I'm Brian and Lizzie is. I'm Lizzie. What's up? This is my skeleton friend. <laughs> yeah, we both have like we're both just showing our bedrooms off. And just no, a- this is this is actually my grandpa's bedroom because uh, you know how you move out when you go to college and then you come back. I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, welcome to Halloween month. Welcome to uh, whatever episode this is. Episode seven. Is this? Seven is it? Now? Yes, it is. Lucky number oh, yeah. seven. Sure. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so uh, we are recording this live on our YouTube channel. Uh, so if you are checking this out as the audio version, you can see the uh, the live recorded version on YouTube uh, at Emo Social Club. Uh, we may be doing Twitch in the future. We're not sure. We also have our Twitch channel that just started. Uh, that's also Emo Social Club over on Twitch if you use Twitch. Uh, and I was saying to Lizzie before we started recording that uh, Mario Party comes out. <laughs> Uh, the day this is released, October 5th. Uh, so hopefully soon we'll be uh, able to s- stream some Mario Party over on Twitch. Uh, which it's I actually just going to be Brian because I sadly don't have a Switch. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... I do, I do have I have a hacked Wii, though. Mm. It's not going to help you. Uh, I know. <laughs> but we could eventually, uh, you know, just do like a hangout like this and you could watch me play. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess. I, I mean, that's what other people do on Twitch, right? Yeah, my sister does that. Essentially, Twitch, so. yeah. <laughs> you just like invite people to like talk and chat. So like, it'd be it'd be great if like the next time we're recording this is like, uh huh, music business. Uh huh. There's like some oh shit, right going Bobo. on in the world. Oh goddamn it! No, uh, someone stole my star. Bowsette came back. <laughs> Can we? All right. No, I'm. We are not talking about Bowsette on I just know I turned on, I like logged into Twitter and I was like, what the fuck is Bowsette? Who did this? not talking about Bowsette on this, uh, on this podcast, period, end of sentence. Um, yeah, so uh, we are recording this on October 4th and we want to talk about some stuff that we uh, were not able to really get to this past month. Uh, September was a super busy month for me. Yes, it was. Uh, and taking back emo and my other cover band, Eddie's Corner. Um, so I'll just start off with a couple quick plugs. Uh, we have mostly just Halloween shows this month, uh, which is really nice. Uh, October 26th, uh, taking back emo is doing a show at Dirty Nelly's for Halloween, where it's Fueled by Ramen and My Chemical Romance in the same night. Uh, we've mostly done these shows in Chicago, so we're doing, uh, some tribute nights to those two band, well, the record label and MCR, uh, out in the suburbs for everybody who maybe couldn't make it to the city for those shows. 
Um, so this will be a really cool just experience, I hope, for other people. I, I mean, uh, I, already, I already talked in some of my friends to go because it's easier for them to get to the burbs and the city yeah. most of the time. So that's, that's kind of our thought. And like, you know, we, we've only done Fuel by Ramen once. We've done uh, MyChem three times now. Uh, we are also bringing MyChem back in November for Black Parade Wednesday, which has been a yearly event that we do. Um, so uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, again, all of our stuff is on Facebook. So like, if you need to check out all this information after this, go there. We also um, have a Halloween show. We have a show on Halloween. We're doing uh, our monthly falls on Halloween this month, which is stellar. Uh, I gave a thumbs up because I'm recording this on video and I'm like, hey, that's uh, quality content for the podcast. Love it. I'm always sitting there just like, oh, we've been, our thumbs are upped. So, are upped. Stop. Um, so yeah, on Halloween, we're doing another album play of The Used in Love and Death, which uh, soaked because that's an awesome album. Did you go see that, um, See them at House Blues when they played that in full? I did not. Uh, wow. I got beaten up. It was the best night of my life. <laughs> Here's the thing. And I'm, uh, I'll, I'll give some hints on here because I don't know how much of our audience really listens to the podcast yet. But uh, we are going with the taste of chaos like 2006 i think whenever uh it was the used in my chem we're on the taste of chaos tour i think 06 07 something like that yeah so i'm like leaning towards like that as our presentation of it i um, love it we're real stoked on that uh so yeah it's halloween night uh it'll be another album play hopefully uh everybody wears costumes and Oh, we're going to get real hardcore with that one. If they don't wear uh, costumes, I'm going to personally come there and beat them up and be like, why aren't you wearing a costume? <laughs> you're just personally coming there to like enjoy the show, Lizzie. But I'll, um, uh, I'm helping. I'm coming there to work with you, yes, Brian. Exactly. I would be uh, really like, you'd be you confused. You'd be like, Lizzie, you're supposed to work and help get this set up and show run. You're like, oh, I actually oh hate God, this show. Actually, actually, no, I'm just here. Yeah, I'm only here is to beat up the fans. <laughs> Great. Um, I'll also drop a plug for my other band, Addie's Corner. Uh, we do a yearly Halloween uh, new metal night. Uh, I saw that. It is mm -hmm. so much fun. Uh, so a lot of like System of a Down, Lincoln Park, Slipknot. Uh, who else do we do? Corn. <laughs> uh, yeah, stop. Yeah, dude, it, it is legitimately so much fun. So uh, we're doing that again. That's at Elbow Room on October 27th, the Saturday after the, the Mike M Fuel by Ramen show. Um, yeah, check it all out on Facebook, uh, and we'll keep promoting those as plugs because you should come and hang out with us it's as fun. the Emo Social Club live. We'll have a cool photo booth again. We will have a cool photo booth again. And if you come over and you're stumbling over it, and I'm going to beat you up maybe. <laughs> Because that's we Ryan's are, iPad. Our plugs are our plugs are just <laughs> idle threats. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I had kickboxing this afternoon. It's fair. I had three cups of coffee, which is my own uh, form of cardio. I had this so, crazy like thirty-two ounce smoothie. Jesus. This I'm, was like five dollars. <laughs> I love it. A deal. Smoothie A deal King. from the Smoothie King. Sponsor me, Smoothie. King. Sponsor a Smoothie King. Um. <laughs> So I wasn't on the last episode of this podcast, which was a travesty. I know, right? But uh, again, September was just a super busy month, and I had so much stuff going on. Um, so I wasn't available for that episode recording. Um, 
So I just wanted to drop a little bit of my opinion on it, which great job, Lizzie, for leading that episode. And Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad that it uh, ended up working out well with yeah, everything like that happened. That. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually will be uh, recording some stuff for YouTube as well uh, of the process of doing a mail-in ballot for Illinois. Um, I recorded a little bit of just like getting it sent, uh, or going onto the like website and saying like, right. please send me a ballot. Um, I went and did that the other day and then got an email the following day saying like, we're shipping these out on the 15th of October. So, uh, I already got post- mine in the mail, but well, I can also just drive down the street and go. Too, true. So. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I had this idea in mind that there are so many ways to vote. And like, at this point it's about getting people to take a, you know, take a, take a ballot in any way possible. Just be a part of the process. Um, obviously Illinois is fairly like straight up Democrat across the boards because of the population of Chicago and, yeah. and, and whatever it is. Uh, and I don't know if I'm well, super but you also, on... you also still have to remember though, that we still have a Republican exactly. you know, governor who yeah. hasn't I mean, there's... done anything in like the last four years we have no budget in illinois (laughs) no i totally agree that like i i I will admit that i haven't been part of the process in the past and i think that you know now that i'm older i guess it's it's like we need younger people to vote i'm of an older like we understand you are yeah but thanks for you know throwing it out there (laughs) that's what i'm here for (laughs) Uh, but I've never really been part of the process as far as like midterms or as far as local elections. And when you start to talk about uh, where things actually happen and how things are really affected, those happen more on the local level. You can get the attention of your local politicians way easier and way more efficiently than you can these senators and, and people that work in the federal government because a lot of those are more in the, the public eye. Obviously, the federal elections or federal uh, you know, presidential elections and that, when they come around, it's a much big, uh, it's a bigger spectacle. Oh, it's, right. it's huge. But that's why nobody cares about local elections because it doesn't affect as many people. So the media doesn't report on it from a, uh, a, a national level. They're only reporting on it from the local level. And I think that that is where we kind of lose the, the impact of local elections and people run unopposed or people who are wild crazy people can just run in elections because no one is running against them and uh i think that if more youth actually votes in local elections and says yeah you know you're not going to be able to pass national health care but you are going to uh elect politicians who may want that and they have to get their start somewhere essentially all uh political office is a job interview for a bigger job Right. And as we, I mean, we saw this past week, you know, certain people in job interviews, you know, you can't just yell and cry and talk about how much you like beer too. So it is wild that, that let's talk about the hashtag Kavanaugh thing real quick, we, because that whole thing, it's just fucking wild. It's uh trash. It is trash. A hundred percent trash. And they're even saying that they're pretty confident that they're just going to vote him in either oh. way. Which is, you know, honestly disgusting. Yeah. I mean, in my perspective, I know we're open to we're open to discussion, but I'm saying in my perspective, you know, that's something that's really gross because you also have all these women who came forward, mm-hmm. you know, they jeopardized their lives. Dr. Ford basically had to move her entire family, like go incognito this entire time because she was getting threats. Her family were, was getting threatened. Mm-hmm. 
because she said this asshole, you know, took advantage of me and raped me all these years ago. And then there are people coming out saying, why do they wait so long? And it's like, they wait so long because there's people like you giving them <laughs> shit and flack for it. Like, I don't understand how you don't get this. It's and I mean, this sort of even- wild. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, there's also hashtags of people saying, like, you know, hashtag, like, why I didn't report. So yeah. you have a bunch of people coming out in solidarity saying, you know, confessing that, like, they were sexually assaulted or raped for the first time, maybe in, like, even, like, the last, like, you know, anywhere from, like, five to 50 years, depending on, you know, the person. Yeah. It's wild that they are their own example of why people don't report. Like, you are... <laughs> you're wondering why people don't report and then also explaining why they don't report in the same sentence, in the same trial, in the same, or hearing. It's not a trial. He's not on right. trial for anything. He's literally just being heard out by people that are saying whether you're good or not for a job. Right, and the FBI investigation actually was founded, um, I've read this from like CNN and from New York Times saying that they didn't even look at um, Dr. Ford's interview. Nope. They so, didn't even talk to them. They didn't talk right, to Right, And I remember seeing that there was also a New York Times report this afternoon saying some senators aren't going to vote yet until they reread all the interviews and transcripts from it. Yeah. So it kind of delays it. So now people are going back and forth a lot. But from the CNN report I watched last night, it, it, they felt pretty definite that they were still going to vote Kavanaugh in. 100%. I mean, and then you see, you know, Donald Trump on TV making fun. Mm-hmm. Of you know, Dr. Ford, I like you know, don't do that. Well, it's because she knew that the president was going to do for a press conference for no reason because he's already the fucking president. But he has to go out there and speak and just say these things and then basically explain why she didn't report. And I just think it's 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 so foolish that they're. I, I mean. You know, I always am am trying to avoid these like theories of they're trying to distract and they're trying to make us think about something else. Right, exactly. Get all conspiracy theory. Yeah, but I'll also say that like Mitch McConnell is clearly trying to like leave a legacy, have the Supreme Court filled with people that he wants on the court. He wants to have uh, everything running the way that he would want to see it because he's old and he's going to be out of there. But you know, this is a guy who has a ton of money invested in him, continues to win his uh, his elections in uh, Kentucky. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's like to bring it back to the initial point is that him, uh, Grassley from the hearing, uh, Orrin Hatch, who's <laughs> just trash. I, I cannot stand Orrin I Hatch. I mean, like that, that's pretty like the best. He is, he is, uh, he, he's on an episode of Parks and Rec with uh cory booker like him and cory booker are like in a scene in parks and rec and i'm like get the fuck out of here like you i don't ruining care this tv show like i understand you're playing for comedy totally get it but like get the fuck out of here like these are people that have been in the senate forever and a lot of them are elected in midterm elections a lot of them are elected like by constituents that are the only ones that go and vote and Although in Illinois, maybe you and I don't have uh, a lot that we can do for that because we always tend to elect Democratic senators and Dick Durbin and uh, uh, Tammy Duckworth are pretty fantastic. I have a friend, or a disclaimer, not a spoiler, disclaimer, uh, I have a friend that works for uh, Dick Durbin. uh, So 
she tells me all these great things about him as just, you know, a person and not only in his uh, role as a Senator, but uh, I think that these are people that maybe we don't have as much impact on, but if I can say to anybody who's listening outside of the state of Illinois, who <laughs> definitely has more of an impact is like, go and vote because the reason that these senators aren't doing anything for you, the reason that these people aren't listening to you is because you're not expressing your voice. And I know that people who are around our age, people who grew up the way we do, people who know the people that we do, people of different communities, people of disenfranchised communities have a lot more to say about uh, how these people are being treated and would vote that way. If you say, I have friends that are undocumented immigrants, I have friends that are, uh, would be affected if Roe versus Wade was overturned. I have people in my life that would be affected by the decisions you're making. They would go to vote and use that when they decide on who they want to be their candidate. And I mean, you can say like the main argument for a lot of people when they were saying, oh, I voted for Trump. And then people who, you know, were like either undocumented POC, a woman or anything like that, they were saying, but you voted against me and my entire, you know, entity and like existence then. And they're like, no, like that doesn't affect you that much. It inherently does just like the way that Brian said, because you're electing somebody who wants to, you know, take away your friends or families or whomever's rights. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line at the end of the day. You're voting for somebody to, you know, use all this money that shouldn't be given to ICE and to these awful detainment camps for children at all and saying, oh, like my my neighbor is like an undocumented immigrant and like they're chill and all. But like I'm going to vote for Trump because they take him away and then they end up hypothetically taking him away and then the kids are detained mm -hmm. like and then you're gonna be like oh that's really tragic it's like well you fucking did that you're <laughs> the one who said i'm okay with that mm -hmm. in whatever capacity because it doesn't affect me and traditionally we have seen for at least this past democratic race there was a lot of studies done that there was even one by new york times saying a good majority of educate college educated white women voted for trump mm -hmm. and more people who were undereducated or didn't go to a higher educated like in higher education um and were white male mm. like more blue collar type of individuals voted for trump as well yeah so that's also a really interesting statistic he uh well i heard something today that basically the republican party is uh non-educated non-college educated people and men and women uh and also uh men at this point like that's literally just white the men. audience that's it. it's white yeah, men. it's the sorry audience. not sorry it's white men uh listen i'm part of the i'm not part of the problem but <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not specifically part of that problem i have no well, and uh, i mean i remember sitting in um my media criticism class in college and we had a whole huge discussion about that and you see colleges they build themselves as liberal arts colleges the college i went to was a private four-year institution built as a liberal art college mm -hmm. however it is found that if when you see progression in a society that's something that we naturally have to have mm -hmm. so we're having progression in society with different social um and some economic issues and that's normal to have therefore if you're saying that these are more liberal ideas of progression you're inherently stating that you don't want to see any progression. You don't want to see us uh, like evolve further as humans in mm -hmm. our society. You would want to see it therefore fall and to go backwards or to stay still 
I mean, and, yeah, and if we say still, we insane. see like you know, you see American Horror Story Apocalypse. It's like that. <laughs> it's literally that. On another list of things that I have no reference about. <laughs> Yikes! New American Horror Story. Anyway. I watched the first episode, and I was like, I should probably finish the last three episodes of um, Hotel and Cult before I go forward. <laughs> so last- I did. <laughs> now, I, okay, so I, I want to have this, some hot takes on politics and then also hot takes on American <laughs> Horror Story. Listen, I did this thing where I would start American Horror Story and then it would get to the end and I was always in college and I was on trimesters. So when it got to the end, I was coming into finals and it just didn't happen. Here's the thing I didn't about the fail. End of every season of American Horror Story. It sucks. Spoiler alert. Oh, it's yeah. su- they suck. It I mean, like, like spoiler alert. Really let's look at. Yeah. I mean, look at um Freak Show. They were like, spoiler alert. If you haven't fucking seen it, it's okay. Everyone fucking yeah, dies. Like it. literally, they're just like, we're yeah. gonna kill everyone here. Yeah. Oh, same with the horror house from the the the, the first season. Yeah, it's everyone like, just died. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good like plots and twists and turns, but at the end, you're like, okay, like what the fuck? Everyone's dead. There's like yeah. no real other outcome. I thought there was gonna be some weird plot twist at the end, and there really wasn't. There's this like, I mean, the thought process is that it's really hard to write endings. It's really easy to write the beginning. It's really easy to come up with a concept and put that concept out there. But you're like, yeah, this is a cool idea. Now what? And then it's like that thought process. That's uh, literally the thought process. Like, I like, I felt that whole entire thought process throughout the entire season of Freak Show. They were like, oh, we did all this. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh, we didn't think this through. Okay, we're going to take a gun and just shoot everyone. And I was like, oh, what? (laughs) What do you mean? That's not how you do things. I still just enjoy that we just turn this from a uh, go vote to a uh, hey man, go vote. Fuck this Supreme Court shit and make sure that you're voting out these old people and also American Horror Story. What a wild ride! I mean, let's just l- look at you know Ryan Murphy, the creator of Glee, which I really fucking hated Glee. Like hated not Glee, spice, yeah. not a spicy take. I fucking hate. No, it. This is not a hot take. I I hate it. I don't care what any of you say. Um, so the fact that when I was they American Horror Story came out with the second season, Asylum, and I was like, oh cool, Asylums have a lot of cool like dif- like fucked up and disturbed history. Like that'll be really cool. I watched the first episode and they threw aliens in, and I was like, all right, listen, <laughs> listen. And Tom DeLonge did not write this episode. <laughs> I'm out. And then a few weeks later, my friend was like, did you, have you seen it? I'm like, no, they start talking about aliens. I'm like, aliens are cool and all, but you can't throw aliens with asylum in like the first like episode, like maybe in this new season of apocalypse. Cause you bet all the aliens came and like fuck things up. Cause that <laughs> logically makes sense. It logically. It logically makes sense. Anyway, spicy take on American horror story asylum. They started with the name game thing. And I understand the entire concept of her falling into insanity and being like, oh my God, everyone's dancing around and freaking out. But that was too glee for me. And it didn't need to occur. There could have been literally a bunch of other ways to do it. And I never seen Asylum. And I don't want to because of the fucking aliens and because of the name game. And I get it. It's a significant part. I don't want to deal with it. And we're done with that. Um, Come at me if you don't like Roanoke. If you like Blair Witch or Cloverfield, it was cool. It got ridiculous at the end, though, because it got very repetitive. But fun fact, if you've ever known about the actual Roanoke legend, there's been a lot of different like takes on it. Um, if you've ever read this, the YA novel 
um, by Melissa De La Cruz, um, Blue Bloods. There's also another take that they were actually like vampires of like the elite, and it's like gets really wild and crazy. So the whole entire history of Roanoke's really cool. I also think the concepts that they have taken throughout the rest of American Horror Story, like with the ghosts and the lore and everything like that, <laughs> is really cool because it is accurate. Accurate. That's why you have all these ghosts in these different areas that are just planted there is because if you die in a place and you have unresolved issues, you stay there until you resolve it and then you can move on. You feel good? Yeah, I feel great. Fantastic. I can talk about, you know, like vampire and like ghost lore all day long. I grew up watching documentaries on it, which was probably not the best idea. (laughs) I don't know why the adults in my life let that happen. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to move into the the topics we wanted to talk about on this episode. Uh, We are going to discuss a couple things that happened uh most of this happened in early september so this is sort of a delayed (laughs) topic to talk about i think but at the same time uh i was thinking today that like when something happens and it's like in the media or it's a big story and everybody's talking about it it sort of dies out really quick because there's just so much story to talk about thanks to the Uh, 24 hour news cycle developed by cnn in the late okay well somebody studied uh so yes we're going to talk about a couple articles uh, that I found that I thought were just really interesting to uh, – they, they're more music industry-based, so we'll get off the, uh, the, the you know, all But go these. vote anyway. Go vote, and go uh, vote. we'll talk about American Horror Story later. <laughs> so uh, if you're watching the video right now, you can see the article. Uh, we wanted to talk a bit about Mac Miller. Uh, we kind of had a discussion a little bit with Johnny from Hope for the Day. Uh, you can see it, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, we started talking a bit about Mac Miller and drug uh, drugs and, and mental health and struggling, as it says here, struggling with sobriety. Um, but the article is actually about how the music industry profits. Uh, the, art- the article is actually titled The Music Industry Profits Off Pain Like Mac Miller's. Um, sort of to dive into it, the idea is that nobody from the music industry really wants anyone to get better. They want people to stay on drugs. They want people to stay depressed. They want people to stay, uh, to stay in that mood because that's what creates better art and it creates more stories and it puts people in the media cycle. Uh, scrolling through here, just a quote here. In an industry in which artists are encouraged to profess their love for opioids, alcohol, and other destructive vices, does sobriety benefit the bottom line? Which is scary. <laughs> like that's uh... it really is. I mean, you see a lot of people who even when um like bands that we've listened to, like I remember when my chemical romance came out with Danger Days mm-hmm. and the dude I was seeing at the time was pissed off because he's like was not into it. He's like, This isn't the same stuff. It's because they have kids and they're married and they're happy and I don't like this. And it's like people grow <laughs> up, they get older like and they evolve out of that if they're able to yeah and it's the same thing with you know if somebody is having problems with drugs or you know sobriety you ultimately want them to get help but at the same time it's so many people saying well their new music sucks because you know they stopped drinking or mm-hmm. they stopped doing drugs or something and you i've heard people say it and it's it is a legitimate argument to some people because it does affect the way that music evolves and change especially in the pop music culture because in a lot of their stuff 
is mainly based around like party culture for the most part. Yeah, a lot of like EDM songs are about drinking. A lot of country songs are about drinking. Which... It's about drinking and being like yeehaw emo. Yeah, and I didn't really even like you know you know I'm not a fan of country music, but you didn't really I, I didn't really start to think about this until I listened to a podcast the other day talking about drinking in country music and how why or, or we don't really think about it in that way because it is generally more upbeat. It's generally more positive. It's generally like not thought of in that way as like depressing music. And then you listen to things like hip hop, where I'd say a lot of it's similar, where it's more upbeat, it's danceable rhythms and such. That's an old way of saying it, but and you know, such. and such, uh, but it's, it's more upbeat and, and you know, it's, it's more fun to listen to, I guess, in a way, like you're not in that sort of depressed mood. When right. You to because a lot, a of, lot of people that I personally know who prefer to listen to pop or hip hop or rap, they more listen to it for the beat and the rhythm mm-hmm. where people, you know, who are like in like in emo and pop punk and rock and alternative, they listen to it for more over the lyrics because something yeah. resonates more with them. And I mean, there's a lot of lyricism in it. Uh, they quote a lot of um, uh, Mac Miller's lyrics in this article as well. sort of talking about how he's discussing his, uh, struggles with sobriety, his struggles with drugs, struggle with opioids, his struggle with, uh, I think, just cocaine and, and other, you know, just regular, right. like, what you would consider regular drugs, not prescription drugs, yeah. Um, but it, it, sort of diving into his own lyrics about it. And you could say that, like, a lot of hip-hop is moving in that direction uh, to be more, let's say, Little Peep, or, or what we talked about with, like, uh, emo hip-hop and, and diving into more of these in the hip hop culture, taboo discussions, taboo subjects that they don't really discuss because it's all about sort of the party. It's sort of about celebration. It's sort of about, uh, I have all this good stuff and I have this success and I have, I have a reminder for Brian. Hey Google, stop. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, mean, but going off of that too, I mean, in the last, um, at least month, I've seen people like saying, Oh, Lil Peep post, you know, post humorously, released a single with some other rapper that they collabed with mm-hmm. as well. And they're still profiting <laughs> off of him. Was that the one? Yeah. You know, we're not uh, going to talk about that. We don't endorse um, people who beat up their girlfriends and are just awful. I mean, girlfriends. yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we've talked a lot about them. So, you know, our stance on that. <laughs> Ronnie Radke. Anyway, so yeah. uh, we've, yeah, I, I, I lost my train of thought because I was thinking about awful men. But, you know, I guess there's a lot of that in the hip-hop community if you think of, of the people who have died more recently from either uh, overdose or suicide or uh, self-destructive behaviors that have sort of come out of all of this. Uh, I guess, would we say, uh, let's, let's quote a follow-up boy lyric here which came first, the music or the misery? <laughs> so are these people that are artists, is there something that inherently comes to them that draws them to these vices or draws them to uh, drugs, alcoholism, whatever it might be, self-destructive behavior that is a cause of something about being an artist? Is there, you know, let's say that is mental health a symptom of being an artist or is being an artist something that, 
is is enhanced by having mental health. Uh, you could talk about Kanye. You could talk about uh, anybody in the in the industry that has you know, Kanye being, I think, just somebody recently who comes out very honestly like I'm off my medication I have bipolar uh, disorder and I'm off my medication and I'm making art and he he rambles and he rants on these and then he it, goes on SNL wearing Trump hats <laughs> I don't it, it or he gets on tables at schools that he's speaking at and says yeah. don't I'm, I'm Elon Musk is a great guy leave him alone it's like the you know Chris Crocker Brittany, <laughs> leave Britney alone it's literally that's literally Kanye right now I will admit, leave Elon Musk alone, but just in the way of like, hey, Elon Musk is uh, trying to be a celebrity more than a CEO. Let's leave him alone because he wants that. But I'd also say that about Kanye is like the last thing that somebody like Kanye needs right now is more encouragement. And I think that that's sort of what this article gets into as well about Mac Miller is that you're making money for people and you're talking about your own vices, your own struggles, your own addictions, your own issues, and you're making money for people. So if those people want to continue getting a paycheck, you need to keep talking about that. And if you then stop talking about it because you're no longer having these issues or you're getting the support that you need, you're getting the help that you need, why would they let you do that? Why would somebody around you say, no, you shouldn't uh, be on opioids. No, you shouldn't uh, pick up another bottle. I feel like also in like, at least in the hip hop and rap culture, I could be wrong. I don't know too much about it. But I mean, we see like DIY really flourishing in the alternative mm-hmm. subculture right now, especially with like a lot of pop punk and indie bands. But I feel like if you are like more of a hip hop or rap artist, if you were to say, I'm no longer going to write about these things because it does, it's not relevant to me. It's nothing I feel anymore. And your label gets dropped. Where do you kind of go? Like, I feel like it's a different and a little bit more competitive scene. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, I would say there's I've a never lot really of underground. Heard, yeah. I mean, I know that it's, it is an underground society. Obviously mm-hmm. every music genre has an underground indie part of it, Definitely. but is it really getting picked up as frequently as, you know, different indie or like emo or pop punk bands Probably not. <laughs> it's tough to say. You're right. Both of us have way more experience in the underground alternative scenes and the underground emo pop punk scenes. Um, I would say from what I know, you know, there are communities for this. There are audiences for uh, local community hip hop, rap acts, artists and that. Um, I can't say that I know anybody who talks openly, honestly, about these sorts of things to then get a to get a record deal to get signed. Um, the one I could think of is, you know, there's, there's like artists like chief Keith, for example, a Chicago artist. And because of Kanye, because of chance, because of Chicago, big Chicago artists, a lot of labels look to other Chicago artists and they want the next big thing to come out of the Midwest because Chicago hip hop does so well. So you look to those, uh, those communities for their good artists and you pick up on people who are similar, sound similar, whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't seen as much from the, I don't want to say just emo hip hop because I don't want to throw it all under that one umbrella, but I would say, you know, hip hop that is discussing more emo type content, maybe. I don't know right. how to I mean, exactly. I feel like Nothing Nowhere would be like the closest thing comparatively. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a friend, I, I you know, I, I Oh, I can't remember the name of their act. So wow. here's my shout out to, to 
our buddy Bodie, who uh, is working with this act. I think it's called Death and Designer. Uh, and they were recently picked up by, uh, I think it's Paul from Silverstein. The drummer of Silverstein cool. is managing them now. Because uh, a lot of acts or a lot of uh, labels are looking for emo hip hop, like sad hip hop or, or these things now. So I guess maybe in like some communities, this is being picked up. Nothing Nowhere being picked up by Fueled by Ramen. Uh, just seeing like where where the 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 where the heat is going, where the action is, and finding that there is a a major audience for these acts, and trying to get their own get their own out there. Uh, I think that there is a lot more people discussing this. But then again, if there's a lot of money in this, are you maybe finding people like Nothing Nowhere who canceled his entire tour because he said? I, mean, I know that. Um, he was dealing with a lot of anxiety issues yeah. and he was like, I need to get this under control before I go out on my first massive, uh, well, yeah, like tour. world tour basically. Yeah. And then he, uh, he just opened a few shows for fallout boy on their tour. Uh, and I guess the audience has really liked it. And, and obviously the, uh, machine gun Kelly was opening for, uh, some oh. of those other dates. I, I'm not a huge fan of machine gun Kelly. I won't, act like i enjoy a lot of it i did like his rebuttal to eminem just thought it was funny um but i i would see that you know obviously there's a lot of influence and uh desire to have hip-hop as part of like fallout boy show if they're always having these openers that are doing hip-hop and rap in their pop punk and, and emo shows well i mean they did that one tour with with uh wiz khalifa a few yeah. years ago too and then they also, I know that there's been a couple of things that they've, I mean, I know on their late, like their newer albums, they do have some collaborations with different rappers too, yeah. where it's a little bit more, not like hip hop, a little bit more rap in it. And they, you know, Tail Fall Boy does really well with getting it pulled off. So I think that's also why they're trying to integrate it just a little bit more. And because it is something that the kids like. The kids like it. I mean, let's be honest. Fall Boy is a top national household name. <laughs> They're on, you know, 101.9 The Mix. They're mm. on 101 KQX. <laughs> They're on all the major radio stations, at least here in Chicago and probably everywhere else. So they have to appeal to people who are also like, oh, yeah, like Fall Out Boy's good. But I also listen to, like, Cardi B or yeah. whomever. I don't, I don't know, whomever. <laughs> I mean, genres in general are blending. People shuffle. It's, I, I was calling it shuffle culture. Now I just call it, like, you know, Spotify culture where you have everything at the, at the, on your phone at all times, you can listen to whatever you want and people don't like one genre exclusively. So there's going to be that blend of, of people that are hip hop influenced. I think we talked about this a bit in our gatekeeper yeah. as well, where people who are hip hop influenced that also like emo pop punk music that want to take their influence from that music and bring it into a hip hop world and because that's not really that big there, it's going to take off because it's fewer people doing it that are really interested and people are interested in that. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of people out there who are also dealing with the issues that they're talking about. If there are a lot of people who are suffering from mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and that, and you have songs about dealing with that, you see yourself in the music, you see yourself in their songs. And so you're going to support that, listen to it. And I, I just don't really know. I, I don't really know how to deal with it because your support of music that 
brings something to you makes the music more popular in a way. So if you are a fan of music, chances are you're going to share it with somebody and people are going to get more. And, and it's just sort of this like cause and effect of the more popular music gets, the more money it makes and the more it has to continue. And there really isn't, this kind of goes, even goes back to our um, discussion about Max Bemis is that there's no recourse for a musician that only makes money by putting themselves in these situations that puts themselves on the road, puts themselves in front of audiences every night and having to be, you know, this on stage or this in the songs, but you can't separate the art from the artist in that way. Uh, actually, I, I, I want to mention this phrase that I heard. Have you been watching any of the, uh, the Shane Dawson, Jake Paul? No, uh, I've been seeing stuff? a lot of crazy tweets about it, but I have zero idea what the hell's going on. All I know is that it's Jake Paul really, is like a piece of trash. Yeah, I mean, he is. And it's really like, it's, it's, a, it's exaggerated quite a bit. Like, Shane Dawson is pretty good at what he's doing. He's making really cool videos of it. Um, but I, I know that it's like, this is to get views. And obviously because Jake Paul is such a huge name, it's going to get him a lot of views on these videos, but it, it, it's pretty cool. Um, there's one scene where, you know, they're kind of showing the behind the scenes of like their house that they live in, in LA. And they have this massive house with a bunch of YouTubers that are all living there. They're all young. They're all like early twenties. It sounds like YouTube, like Big Brother. It kind of is, and that's, that's the, so the point. It's like this weird reality television that is entirely self-made. But there's like people that are putting money into it, people that are investing in it, and all that. And so they posted the address of this house, and all of these kids showed up with parents. Like these are okay. Like there's adults with these children. Thank God. No, but I mean sometimes. But these are still children, and their parents are just bringing them to this house in LA, and it's like your parents are, are encouraging this behavior. When this one mother is speaking to uh, one of the guys comes out and he's like trying to get everybody off their lawn. He's trying to get them outside of the, the gate leading into their home. Yeah. This woman is saying to him, Hey, be gentle with the children. They give you paychecks. They make you famous. And she, I'm like, she said it once. And so I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. That's fucking shitty to say to somebody. But I'm like, she's not going to say it again. She said it minimum seven times in the clip that he posted because it was like sort of like a like a, a TMZ sort of thing oh, where right. they're like recording it on a phone. They're showing this guy doing this. They're like getting this footage and they're showing it on like a follow up video, whether it's like, you know, Perez Hilton. I'm going to comment yeah. on this after the fact sort of thing. Seven times she says to him, be gentle with the children. They pay your they give you paychecks they make you famous. And so imagine if you were, I, I don't, I don't want to say this about anybody in that particular situation, having any sort of uh, mental health issues or, or drug issues or anything like that. But imagine if you were, imagine if you did have depression or anxiety and you were in this situation to then have to deal with somebody who's talking to you in this way. And how are you supposed to respond to that in a productive manner and then also continue to do your job and, and not have to sort of numb that feeling. Right. We had one viewer come in and they were watching it and they're like, I don't fuck right off. So love it. <laughs> anyway, I didn't even know who they were and they didn't say anything. So whatever. Uh, anyway, I, I just think that it's this weird, uh, it, it's this weird position to put a person in 
and we don't talk about it in the, you know, everybody can assume that if somebody is, is really rich and famous, that they're, they're fine, that everything is, is totally fine. Right. And I mean, we've seen in the last year that that is not the case whatsoever. We have the best case study of that has never been true. It has never been true that all these people are fine. They have a job that basically says you have to put on this face every day when you wake up for your paychecks to be famous. And I don't understand why we're surprised when people who have mental health issues, who, who, who complete suicide, who, who overdose on drugs. I don't know why we're surprised because we do not as an audience, as, as the, as the viewing audience, as the listening audience, allow artists to be anybody else to, to deal. The biggest thing too is that like, I feel like we put so many of these celebrities on the pedestal. So it also makes them disjointed from us as like kind of normal everyday people. So you never really can understand that, Oh, they're probably going through the same thing I am, but you view them as a higher being as this higher power. Mm And it's not the case. Like they're just like you and me. Exactly. But uh, you know, obviously, a lot of people, especially if they don't work in you know the music inter- or entertainment industry, like you and I do, they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, like look at them," and they're not gonna understand like the connection that's really yeah. there. Because we just never. I mean, now I think is the time when more artists should be conscious of their mental health, conscious of. Uh, the problems that have hit everybody else and the, you know, watching people that you really care about people that you are really invested in people that have changed your life, people who write songs that have saved people from, from going through with suicide or, or gotten people to seek out support and help. And we need to do the same thing for the artists on the other side of it. I think that's sort of where we need to start seeing artists just be very open and honest with what's going on with them. And uh, we, sh- we should do what we need to do as an audience to support them and the choices that they make with that, I think. Yeah. And we shouldn't be going around saying your music sucks now because you got, you went to rehab and you got clean basically. Cause if, that's if negative reinforcement. Sucks, don't listen to it. <laughs> like, if like, you don't like it, just shut up. There's yeah. everything else out there that's, probably sounds like what you want yeah i'm not a huge fan of fall boys and new stuff but i'm not gonna stop somebody from listening to it or, or say you need to go back to the way you were like fuck this shit like how, how dare you fall off away how dare you um all right so i want to move on to our last topic of this episode uh which is sort of a little bit lighter but i'm gonna have a few i think i'm gonna have a few hot takes on this so oh spicy yeah my goal is to uh to clickbait some people oh, no. um give you one second to share this article here wow i love the sound effects i try to drum it out uh paramore is no longer going to play misery business at their shows uh so the reason for this is that Haley Williams, I mean, they've been saying this for a while. They've been saying that they're not interested in continuing to play this song, uh, that the lyrics of uh, the, the straight up, the line is once a whore, nothing more, that'll never change. So their thought process is I don't agree with these lyrics anymore. I don't agree with this sentiment any longer. So 
I, I, I usually she doesn't sing it or she, she wasn't singing it live. She'd have a guest come up on stage and perform it with them. And now they're just like, we're done. We have, we have hit our, our time with it and we are no longer going to play this song. Uh, they did this at the beginning of September. They played their last uh, show for the After Laughter tour. And for the and After Laughter era. The After Laughter era, yeah. Which, I mean, fine. <laughs> after Literally laughter. fine. I, I mean, fine. I'm done, I'm done with it. Yeah. Bye. Um, I, uh, all right, hot take time. And then we can discuss this. My hot take is just change the line and keep fucking playing the song. If, if it really impacts you that well here's the thing everybody since this fucking song came out when i was like got in eighth grade people were like oh she said whore that's so offensive but at that point too people were still trying to align them as like a christian rock band True. which you know Haley williams says multiple multiple times over and over that that is not it that's just you know her own personal thing like you don't have to blend it together and people have still, over the course of so many years, been so offended by that and saying, how can you, you know, stand for female equality and supporting other women, but you're calling someone a whore? Listen, most of us have been there because we didn't know better as a kid. She wrote that when she was like, what, 15, 16? She was really young. I mean, Yeah, that she was... was really young. And that's an age that most girls are trying to be competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people back then didn't have the same type of, you know, we don't have social media to go online and be like, oh, what's this hashtag? What's this article? You know, what is, you know, internalized misogyny? What is internalized, like, hatred? Like, nobody knew what that really was back then. Yeah. If you were somebody who was a teenager just going to your regular everyday public school system, you know, more often than not. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the perspective that she had at that time on an issue because she she admitted that this was like a real thing this was really how she felt at the time and her perspective on it was this and people's perspectives change over time and so i understand the thought process that i don't want to play this anymore this isn't who i am this isn't what i i feel anymore this isn't who i want to be as a person i get that but the song exists for the time that it is and song. it's a, and it's usually probably one of the first Paramore songs most Paramore fans listen it's to. Obviously, their biggest song. Yeah, they're, and they're, I mean, I've had this conversation with my friends too, and a lot of us have in the same agreements. Like, play the damn song. There's a lot of people who go specifically, you know, to hear that song. Or it, again, it was like the first Paramore song that really like hooked them to the band. Mm. It's it's a legendary song. I'm not saying, you know, you always have to go out and do it, but I'm saying to completely cut it. And if it just bothers you that much, again, like change lyrics or keep having somebody come up and do it. It's there's other ways to get rid of it, because the more you distance yourself from your past creations, the more you're saying in a way, I'm embarrassed of what I did here. I'm not proud of my older creations, which, yeah, I get it. But you still have to say I created something that projected my entire career into what you know paramore is now there's i mean we can talk about a couple different things here obviously the main one would be play the singles like this is an argument i have with a lot of my musician friends where it's like oh but there's other songs that are are better than that and it's like the last thing you want to do is play something that people don't know because the entire room is just gonna the energy is gonna fall out of it you don't go to a bar and listen to 
the b-sides you don't go to a dj you don't go to a to a a, a, a place where you want to party a place where you want to have a good time and listen to b-sides that you don't know you just it just is the is the fact of the matter is that's how it works i mean this is you know we can talk about how the music industry too is just like we release singles and we release b-sides and like you have it all on the album and you put all these songs out there and this was their single and it took off and it got a lot of people interested in paramore and they've released a lot of very good singles after that and they've you know released some okay b-sides i'll be honest that a lot of the songs on riot like kind of fall flat for me but wow i mean the singles are really good though like crush 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 and that's what you get are great songs but you know, to then say we're not going to play our biggest song seems like, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how it'll affect their attendance at concerts. Well, like, then if they're going to take that out, put in Decode, because I want to fucking hear Decode Settle a lot. down. Thanks. Twilight songs. Shut <laughs> up. Listen. But we also saw a few years ago, too, even, um, you know, Brendan, your panic at the disco was like, I don't really want to play I Write Since Not Tragedy. He's like, I'm done and over with the song. And I mean, I understand it's it's pretty much the same thing, but he just does it because he knows that that's literally Panic at the Disco's largest song yeah. still today. Yeah. So just do it. Like, I mean, you're yellow card, you're 16 years old, you're writing Ocean Avenue or however old you are. The 16, they're 18, depending 17. on where you're at but locally. Well, when you're 16, you were on the beach and <laughs> I don't know. You're we're wherever. 16. We're both 18. It was, yeah, whatever. Let's go through the timeline. Let's go through the Ryan Key timeline based on Ocean Avenue. But like, Yellow Card knows that, or you should know, when you're Yellow Card and you're writing this song, if it really takes off, you're playing that forever. There is no dropping that song. Uh, I think that there's a lot of artists who sort of like get this feeling that says, I am so tired of my old music. But where were you when you were going to see bands when you were that age and you were going to see them play their biggest songs? Were you not like thinking, Oh, I want to hear that one. That's the, I have to hear this song. I'm going to die when I, when I get to sing the song with them or whatever, you know, it's like, I just don't get the thought process that you would just say, I don't want to play my biggest songs anymore. It just seems so... Well, and I think a lot of it comes from... Because Haley Williams got so much flack for it. But if you listen to pretty much any other pop punk song, it's mm. basically saying the same thing. Or it's saying, like, this chick was a bitch and she ripped off my heart. Like, first of all, listen to any New Found Glory song. <laughs> Literally any New Found Glory song ever fucking made <laughs> is the same fucking equivalent to Misery Business, which is one goddamn song, a singular yep. goddamn song. It is, but they're not getting flagged for it. They still have a good career. People still go see New yeah. Found Glory. I saw New Found Glory at their last tour. They were great. It's literally the same fucking thing. No one should be, per, you know, persecuting Haley Williams for it. If you're gonna pers- persecute her so much, fucking persecute New Found Glory and literally every other pop punk band 100%. that has dudes in it, which is like ninety nine percent of them. Yeah, I honestly think that there's something to be said about her getting flack because she's a woman and calling someone else a whore. There's also probably, I mean, speculation here, but there probably was a certain amount of a push for her to join the boys club of all the emo pop punk bands at the time and give them the same sort of lyrical uh, uh, 
content that they were saying in their songs. So, oh, well, I want to be part of this club. I want to be cool. I want to talk shit about women. So I'm going to say some lyrics are the same. So I'm cool now, right? Or well, yeah. and that's the biggest thing, too, is that, you know, if you see your male counterparts doing the same exact thing, you're going to be like, that's how they're getting picked up. That's exactly. how they're getting signed. That makes sense to me. I'm going to go and do that. Did you ever say to yourself when you would watch like old Paramore videos or, or watch them live or whatever, oh man, she's just like every other band, but she's a girl. This is awesome. I was just like, oh wow, this is really cool. Like she's a chick though, but she's the main yeah. chick, but she's like the head bitch. But you would say, guys, like, that's, I want that. I remember seeing like videos for emergency. Yeah, I remember seeing the emergency video like when I was in high school or whenever that was. It might have even been college. I'm old. But whenever uh, <laughs> whenever it was that I saw the emergency video, I was like, this is like watching Taking Back Sunday, but it's a chick instead. And, I, you know, now thinking back on that is like, that's not the way I should have thought about it. But it's at the time is like, there is no, there she are no female part, singers. Like main female representation in pop punk and emo. Mm -hmm hands down because you had other bands like we are the in crowd come out but they weren't sustainable yeah i think that she was the one that everybody took a hold of i mean i think that there was there was room for it there needed to be somebody who did it i think she just ended up being the one that everybody was like she's fantastic she not to take anything away from her she's incredibly talented yeah she is. Williams is is just incredible so i'm not taking anything away from her i'm just thinking that maybe that was marketing maybe that was the choices they made behind the scenes of like we want this to look like taking back sunday with a female singer we want to be fallout boy with a girl instead and it's like i get that from a from a marketing yeah thing, but i'm also like that's probably why a lot of the songs sounded the way they did it was because you were writing you were helping write songs and obviously there's dudes in the band that are helping to write music and she's right and the, they're going to be influenced by other yeah, bands so, obviously yeah so i mean whatever it was the reason that she probably wrote these lyrics might have had something to do with just out external influences that yeah just pushed her in this direction so one interesting uh, uh take i saw on this too uh sort of related back a bit to kanye west but also was addressing a lot of other acts, like you were saying, Newfound Glory, they brought up uh, Guns N' Roses. Um, they didn't interview Axel for this, uh, but God. they did interview Slash. Yeah, I know. Um, they did interview Slash, and they were talking to Slash about, you know, sort of the terrible, terrible lyrics. Way worse than anything else. But like, back in the 80s, it was just like open. Well, 80s, yeah, it was like, we're going to talk about sex because we're like true hardcore rebels. Like, this is it. It was, I mean, I listen back to Motley Crue now, and I'm like, probably not <laughs> but uh guns and, i mean axel rose was trying to like was he was purposefully trying to like you know uh, push the edge push the line and he obviously said even like the n-word in one song and he uh and slash who's half black was not happy with it it was one of the reasons why the band ended up breaking up when they did um because axel was just like leaning into it uh and he would push on a lot of like you know, very sexist attitudes, very misogynistic attitudes. Yeah. There's a song, they mentioned it in this article, they met, there's a song where he literally recorded himself having sex with their bassist wife or girlfriend or, or something. Somebody, oh, yeah. In the studio, it was recorded, and they put it in a song. So, like, these are not things you could do in 2018 now. This like, is straight up. Okay, 
you can do it, but there are things that you should really, really, really not fucking do because yeah. they're bad. There's bad shit. People will not like in the eighties, that might've been what generally was thought of as cool. Well, that was like their former revolution back then because you still had like the seventies, but that was so more mellow and like relaxed. And a lot of it had to do with protesting um, yeah. the Vietnam war. And it was also protesting more of the government. So they were more politically active in the seventies. So they also had more laid back music because they also had the whole like, you know, drug era. Mm -hmm. But when you went into the 80s, you have the yuppies. And what do you do to get back at the yuppies? You try to be <laughs> as vulgar and as obscene as you can. And that's what, you know, a lot of the hair metal did because that was their form of revolution. Was it really that productive? I mean, it gave us like a lot of legendary classic rock. Sure. But it wasn't as productive or progressive as, you know, the 70s movement with certain, you know, songs like Bob Dylan and like Bruce yeah. scene. I think there's some 80s that stands the test of time, but also just to throw back to Kavanaugh and in 1982, and this was sort of the thing he was doing in high school is like, this was pervasive in the culture. Uh, Molly Ringwald has come out about, uh, 16 Candles and how that was a movie that she looks back at and is like, that's not cool anymore. There's a lot of like very wrong behavior in that movie. Right. And I mean, and especially, you know, as a society, we've, you know, finally come to realize, even if it is in the last five years, like what, you know, is okay, what is consent and what isn't, yeah. you know, like we talked about in our episodes, Our Music, My Body you know, we have a lot of more definitions to it now. And there's a lot more clarity mm -hmm. and streamlining of it. And there's certainly like, it's much more universally positive. I think uh, it seemed like at the time, like women didn't really come out because there's so much in the media. There's so much in music culture, in movie culture, that this is the way that, that boys act. And that as a woman, you're going to be, a, you're going to be a victim of it. You're going to be a target for this behavior from boys and men. Like, this is how kids act in high school. This is how... Like, you just need to accept it and move on. Like, yeah. that's just a part of your life as a woman. And you can either lean into it or you can be subjugated to abuse from people that just want it from you and, and even if you're not going to. Which I think is a lot of, like, what Guns N' Roses kind of, like, if you read, like, these these autobiographies if you read like Molly Cruz the dirt it's like some of the shit in there is just not cool at all like anymore so so they were they were interviewing Slash to kind of talk about why uh comparing it to Haley Williams and saying we're not going to play this song anymore because we understand that it is no longer something that represents us we no longer want to spread the message of what it says and Guns N' Roses is like yeah like I think shit's fucked up but like whatever and it's sort of like that attitude as well, where like someone like Haley Williams is going to say, I see how negatively this could be portrayed. And so we're going to make a change for the positive to do something different. And Guns N' Roses is like, this is what I know. This is who we are. And this is what we've always done. We're not going to change that. Whether somebody tells us it's wrong or not, whether people stop showing up to our shows, I, I don't really know what Guns N' Roses is selling right now, but uh I think that they're they're not going to change. Uh, so one of the thoughts from this article was that uh, art doesn't have to be like it's created, it's released, it's done. 
they, they there's this saying, and I'm I'm gonna probably butcher the quote because I don't have it up in front of me, but uh, basically, art is never complete; it is only abandoned. And so, when you are done with it, when you create a song and you release it, you're like, this is the song because people need to learn and people need to know the words. People need to come to the show. They need right. to sit back. They need to have the energy of, of knowing all the words to it and enjoying it from beginning to end as it is created. So there is no way to then continue to edit it and fix it. If you want people to have that reaction to it, but they addressed that Kanye, when he was creating the life of Pablo released it and then kept going back in the studio, redoing some things and releasing new versions of it. And because it was released on title, I think, yeah, a lot allowed, of people can't listen to it. Well, yeah, but at the very least, he could keep uploading new versions of it. So when you have the album, you can say, hey, I, I, I recorded a new version of the song. Go check it out. And like people can then just like gravitate towards that new version of it. You're always editing. You're always creating art. And in that way, I'm like, hey, Kanye, I'm on your side. <laughs> in other ways, I'm not on your side. Yeah. But in this way, I am on your side. And I, I would be really interested if some artists would actually take that process and apply it in other parts of their art if Haley williams said we're going to go back to the studio we're going to record a new version of misery business we're taking that lyric out we're changing it to something else keep on the lookout for when this song is dropped and then they're like we're dropping it here's the lyric we change it to this and it's like a simple line change but you're also going to have people who are like diehards they're like that's not okay like they should have you know you're going to have it on both sides you're not going to make make everyone happy (laughs) you'll never make everybody happy but i think that as an artist if you're saying i'm not going to play this song anymore you're not making you're not making the majority of your fandom happy you're you're making a decision that is going to upset a majority of your fandom you could take this route of saying I'm going to adjust or alter my art for the time frame that we're in now. We are now in 2018. We are now in a world that doesn't react positively to this lyric. Therefore, I'm going to change the lyric. And I think you'd honestly have like a ton of attention on a new track drop like that. Like if you said new version of Misery Business is going to be released, come and check this out. Here's the lyric. You have a bunch of articles written about. There are so many articles that were written. It's. I mean, any press. Any press is good press. Yeah. I mean, so if you're dropping, when it's negative or somebody writes, you know, a bad review about it, just be like, well, you know what? People know that that we altered it to fit with what the new persona is. And maybe that's not the goal, but at the very least, like, if you're trying to get as many people to listen to the new version of the song as possible, and you get a build up to it, and you say this is what the lyric is, everyone's going to listen to that song just to know how it sounds to know what that lyric is and to know what the difference is. And people they know are, that they're going to go to a Paramore show and they're going to be like, oh, it's not the old one. What is yeah, it now? No, I mean, no one, no one who, no one is going to be able to avoid it if it's in everything. I saw in everything. I heard it on random podcasts that I would have no, you know, it's, it's people that are talking about major pop culture, talking about Cardi B throwing her shoe at Nicki Minaj, which means nothing to me. A, I don't listen to either of their music. B, I don't wear shoes, so I have no idea. You don't wear shoes. <laughs> My joke. Just, mm-hmm. No. So I have no relevance on on what they're talking about. And then they bring up like, hey, I just wanted to say that I don't necessarily agree with the fact that Paramore isn't going to play Misery Business anymore. And I'm like, why is this being discussed on this podcast? This seems so strange. Um, but I, I, 
I think that it just got so pervasive in the culture because it is a song that affected a lot of people that a lot of people know. And then they're saying, we're never going to play it again, which a lot of bands don't do. A lot of bands don't change what they're doing. And so I think that if they said, we are going to continue to play it with new lyrics, with new, uh, with, with a new recording of it, with a new version of it, you can go in, you can record new guitar tracks. The whole band is different from what it was. You can Literally. record it totally different and make a new version of it and play that version at your shows. And I honestly think that'd be fucking cool. <laughs> Straight up. I just think that'd be fucking cool. Well, even going back to the other argument that you said that, you know, bands should go and just play their singles. I mean, I once had a, I have a friend who he was getting more into like listening to different music and he was like, we were talking about Lady Gaga and I said, Oh, go listen to the fame monster. Cause it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I listened to like these songs and they were the singles. And he's, he's like, there's a full album. Why don't they just release singles? And I'm like, okay, that's not how things work. But <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've never been to a Lady Gaga show because it's really expensive. I would have liked to go, but it's very expensive. But I would imagine she's still playing a lot of the majority of her singles too, because people are going to know it. I mean, same thing with Fall Out Boy. We both saw him at Wrigley Field and, most of their set were singles or at least very, very well known to at least like the, you know, the really dedicated Fall Out Boy fans as like, this is the main like second single or like the other most popular song, like Saturday, Chicago. So two years ago, you know, like, duh. I mean, yeah, you can play those in Chicago and they'll get a good reaction, but I I agree. They mostly played singles, which uh, they, you know, for me played too many of the newer singles, but I will no. say, yeah, they didn't need to play champions at all. Like, <laughs> I was it's like, just, should I go and walk and try to get merch right now? Because I'm not feeling this. <laughs> I feel like Fall Out Boy is taking a real hard hit in this podcast. Like, I love are, Fall Out Boy so much. I Listen, know. I love Fall Out Boy. <laughs> like, I'm not a hardcore Fall Out Boyer, but Boyer. I... Uh, I will be completely honest about him at any time, but I'm like, man, I feel like you're just taking a taking a real hit in this episode. You know what? It's okay. Stay frosty. Um, we're about to slaps. I went so hard. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that we've been recording for a while now. Yeah, we have. Uh, we have one viewer. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't really sure that anybody was going to come to this. I mean, and people are probably going to see it posted. <laughs> They're going to look back and be like, what the fuck is this? I know. Uh, but hi, thank you for joining us. We are Emo Social Club. <laughs> I don't know who you are. And uh, I hope that you're having a great uh, Thursday evening. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and close this episode out. All right. Uh, thanks for checking us out on this most recent episode of Emo Social Club podcast. Uh, make sure to check us out on all the social medias. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, which we don't know what we're going to talk about yet. Let us know what you want us to talk about, <laughs> actually. Like, straight up. We'll make a post on all our social medias, too. What do you want us to talk about? Is there a specific topic you feel that is discussed or covered? Like we can definitely look into it. I love to talk about like issues that aren't as mainstream anymore. Pe- things that came up in the news that we aren't talking about because we're too busy talking about, you know, Kavanaugh and all this dumb shit. That's... Or even listen, bands and music is really cool, but what's going on in everyday life? 
is way more important. It's Spicy so much more important. Number God knows how many. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love to talk about like our own takes on our own takes on the news, on the media, and and give it sort of that emo culture take, I guess. Something like that. You know, whatever. Like, we'll we'll say, like, yeah, man, like, this Kavanaugh shit sucks, but, like, so does Fall Out Boy's new record. (laughs) I hate you. I'm being attacked. So many hits. Um, I'm being attacked. Oh, hey, if if anyone's at the Chicago Marathon on Sunday, I will be there from 7.30 in the morning until God knows when. So come (laughs) say hey, but don't be weird about it. (laughs) Keep saying not to be weird. Or buy the White Claw tent. I know all of y'all fuckers are going to be there in your hard (laughs) seltzer water. (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for checking us out. We'll catch you next week. And from all of us here at Emo Social Club, have a great rest of your weekend. Peace out. Much love. And uh, goodbye, Lizzie. Goodbye, Brian. (laughs) Goodbye, viewer.